Welcome to Lessons for Life, where we seek to learn, love, and live the Word of God. Now, here is James Long Jr. Hey everyone, today I want to talk to you about the topic of suffering. And I often get asked, how could a loving God allow sufferings in our lives? And and I know it's such a struggle for so many people. And and oftentimes I will take them to the book of James in chapter 1. And it says, uh, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full and perfect result, then you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. Interesting wording. For let not that man expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, Being a double-minded man, that means a double-souled man, unstable in all his ways. And and James's opening statement, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, reminds us that in this world, we will suffer. No one is exempt. Uh, when, When most people are in the midst of their trials and tribulations, they tend to ask themselves two questions. Why is this happening? And then how am I going to handle it? You probably have asked yourself the same two questions as well. And by asking those two questions, the sufferer is seeking clarity in the midst of their trying time. The why question is a search for meaning and purpose in the midst of the suffering. And the how question is a search for ways to adjust to it. Well, Peter is also writing to a group of believers who are going through times of great traumatic suffering. And he gives them in his book in 1 Peter chapter 1, well, actually the whole book of 1 Peter is written to suffering believers, but we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 6 through 7 today. And I want you to consider some principles that Peter lays out. Now, as you read the first five verses before we get to six, you're going to see that he's going to talk about the fact that our salvation was brought about by the sovereign work of God, um, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter is writing to a, a diverse group of people that have been scattered all around because of persecution. And he's got this great verse in verse two. It says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. And that's what we need in the times of great suffering. We need grace and peace. And then he goes on to talk about praise for God. He talks about praising God for uh, the fact that he has shown us great mercies and that he's caused us to be born again and he's given us a living hope. And it talks about in verses three through five that he's granted us an inheritance and and he keeps us secure in heaven or keeps the inheritance secure in heaven, but then keeps us secure as well. And then he goes into this powerful section that I want you to see here. And it goes this way. It says, in this, the suffering you rejoice. You're probably saying, are you crazy, Peter? Are you crazy, James? You can't be serious. How can I have joy, as James said, um, 
in the midst of the trials? And, and how can we rejoice in the midst of the suffering, as Peter says? Well, he gives us the principles. And let me read the rest of the verses here, and then we'll go through the principles. In this, you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, those words that I've underlined are the key words that I wanted you to pick up as we go through it, and will give us certain principles that I want you to follow. Well, here are the principles. Principles regarding suffering from Peter. First, I want you to know that your suffering can prompt joy. Your suffering can prompt joy. That's that's so important. He says, in this, you rejoice. Now, now I often get people asking me, am I supposed to rejoice in my, in my cancer? Am I supposed to rejoice in the marriage breakup? Am I supposed to rejoice in the, the specific struggle? And you're not supposed to rejoice in that thing that I'm happy that I have cancer. Or I'm happy that my relationship is breaking down. I'm happy that my child is doing well. That's not what we're called to do. It's saying that as you go through those sufferings and go through those trials, you can rejoice because you are placing your hope not in the temporal and earthly circumstances, but you're placing your hope in the eternal Father, the Savior Christ, and the sufficient work of the Holy Spirit working in your life, the Spirit Counselor, the Holy Spirit. And because we are focusing on the triune God in the midst of this and recognizing that God is working all these things together for good, as we learn in Romans, and that as Romans, it also says, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope, that we're not going to waste our suffering. We're not going to waste the pain because God is at work in the midst of it. So suffering prompts joy. But there's a second principle I want you to know is that suffering is passing. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while. We have this tendency to make the sufferings that we go through lasting, that they will never end. And and even if the suffering takes the rest of our lives, our lives are like a vapor, Scripture says, that we will spend infinitely more time in heaven with God because of his work, because of Christ's work for us if we trust in Christ. That that even if I spent 70 years on this earth in pain, I can spend 70 billion years in heaven without no more sin, no more sin, no more suffering, no more pain, no more death. So suffering is passing. But for the most part, our suffering doesn't last 60, 70, or 80, or 90 years. It is just for a moment in time. It seems so overwhelming. We magnify it in our minds, but it is passing. Well, that leads us to a third principle. Suffering has a purpose. It says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while you've been grieved. I'm sorry, thou now for a little while, if necessary. Big phrase that I just missed. If necessary. So there is a point to our suffering. Sometimes we think that our suffering is just so random and that there's no purpose behind it and that that it's not supposed to be this way and that no one is 
um, working behind the scenes. And the reality is, is that God has given us a whole book of the Bible. Um, the book of the Bible is Job. And and it's talking about suffering, and it's talking about pain, and it's talking about grief, and it's talking about loss. But we have a God who, even though Job could not see him, had a purpose in allowing these sufferings to come into his life. Well, we have a perfect example in the Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ came here at the definitive plan of God so that he would suffer and die for us. So our suffering is necessary at times. Let's be honest, nothing really good in life happens in our lives without some level of suffering. You you don't um, lose that weight in the gym without some level of suffering. You don't um, get a degree without suffering. You don't push forward in a job without some level of pain and suffering. And, and everything in life goes through the path of suffering, but that suffering has a purpose. It's necessary. Well, that leads to the th- uh, fourth principle. That suffering is painful. Duh. <laughs> like like James, are you kidding me? Are you really serious that you're going to put here that suffering is painful? Yeah, it is. And I don't want to miss this, that it's as if necessary, but it says you have been grieved. And I don't know what the grief is that you're going through right now. I don't know what the pain is. I don't know what the trouble is. I don't know what the trial is. I don't know what the suffering is, but I do know this. It is painful. And And Jesus Christ was called a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He he knows us. He knows the pain. He he empathizes with us. He is our sympathetic high priest. He knows what you're going through. You're not alone. Suffering can prompt joy and and it's passing and it has a purpose. It's painful, but it's also plentiful. Plentiful. Well it says various trials. Your version may say many trials. And it's interesting that Peter did not list a specific trial here, neither neither did James in his book. And the reason for that is because the trials that you're going through may be various and it's different. You know, when Paul was listing out some of the trials that he was going through in in 2 Corinthians, he he listed off various trials, but then when he got to the um, thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, he never told us what it was. And I think the reason why he didn't tell us is because he wants us all to recognize that the various trials we go through, these principles from God's word will help you to endure. So I don't know what your trial is. Your trial may be physical. Your trial may be emotional. Your trial may be mental. Your trial may be relational. Your trial may be spiritual. Your trial may be a host of different things. But in the midst of your suffering, these principles still remain. It can prompt joy. It's only passing. It has a purpose. It is painful. It is plentiful. And it promotes growth and proves our faith. Listen to this. It says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that, here's the, here's the reason for it, here's the reason for the trial, as a result of, or in order that, therefore, the purpose, the plan, there is a divine design behind your suffering. And I want you to know this, that God is not sitting up there on his hands, not knowing what to do, that God is allowing us to go through these these difficult valleys, like the valley of the shadow of death. But don't fear any evil, because he is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. They're preparing you. 
So his this suffering is promoting growth and it proves our faith. It's the tested genuineness of the faith. Here it goes in verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But it says tested genuineness of their faith. And you may be familiar with this, but a lot of things are tested by fire. And what fire does is it separates, but fire also purifies or sanctifies. And so, so what, what, as we go through these trials, these trials are, are separating out the sin out of our lives, but it's also sanctifying us, making us more pure, and it is promoting growth in your life. That's why Paul in Romans, I've already quoted it earlier, in Romans chapter 5, he said, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Think about it. Your suffering is not wasted. You are probably stronger and better today and have a deeper relationship with God today if you allowed the Holy Spirit to work in your life, if you were grounded in his word, grounded in prayer, in a community of believers, as you went through the suffering, you probably came through stronger in your faith. And for those that were not grounded in the word, not were not grounded in prayer, were not grounded in a community of faith, then you will see that their suffering has not produced greater faith. The genuineness of a believer's faith is found out through the fire. Okay, I want you to think about this principle as well. Your suffering persuades us to look to Christ. Your suffering persuades you to look to Christ. Well, let me read the section here and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Remember, it says, so that the uh, tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in what? In praise and in glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you see it? Do you see what what Peter is getting at? Peter is saying that as you're going through these trials, you are going to see Christ more. What are you going to see? You're going to see his humiliation, the cross. You're going to see him risen. He is risen from the dead. He has ascended. He is at his father's right hand right now. He is in glory. He is interceding for you right now. So the sufferings persuade you to look to a Christ who left heaven to come here to die for you and that he is risen for you and he's seated at the father's right hand for you. It should persuade you to look for Christ. I didn't put this in here, but if you read in verses 8 through 9, I'll close with this. It should produce a greater passion for Christ. It says in verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Do you hear it? You love him. That causes you to treasure Christ. As you're going through the suffering, treasure him, love him, adore him, savor him. But then it's not only treasuring Christ, it's trusting Christ. It's not only treasuring him, it's trusting him. It says you love him and you believe in him. And then what does that produce? It says now you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. It's an inexpressible and glorified joy. 
So I want you to know that as you go through your sufferings and trials, remember these principles, that your suffering prompts joy. Your suffering is passing. Your suffering has a purpose. Your suffering is painful and plentiful, but it promotes growth. It proves our faith. It persuades us to look to Christ. Look to him. Remind yourself of of the Lamb of God who died for you, who takes away the sins of this world, and to glory in him. Blessings. This has been Lessons for Life with James Long Jr. We hope you've been blessed. For more information, go to jameslongjr.org.